going on, everyone? And welcome to today's episode of Beyond the Rock podcast. I'm your host, Emily Hernandez, and comedic relief is provided by my co-host, Jeremy Arnst. If you have not yet done so, please click that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. And if you have some extra time after listening to this one, we would greatly appreciate it if you dropped us a rating and review on any of the platforms our podcast plays on. Our guest today is a rock climber I met while I was still living in San Antonio, Texas. I was working at the rock climbing gym at Lifetime Fitness, and I kept seeing this super strong, wide-eyed climber with a laugh that you could hear for miles. I'm talking about one of the most talented female climbers in San Antonio. Her name is Elisa Garza. We had a great interview with her last week and got to hear all about what it felt like for her to make history in the rock climbing world. Don't worry, I will not spoil any of her story. Lucky you, huh? Here's Elisa Garza. Hey, Lisa, what's going on? Hey, Em. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you all today. Hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here, too. And this is kind of how the rest of the conversation is going to go. It's going to be, gonna, wait, are you a sport climber? I am. I mean, I know you climb on Armadillo boulders, which is I, awesome. I do. I started off as a sport climber. I have to say that I think I've turned a little bit into a boulderer now. Nice. And it just, I, I think I'm all twitch muscle. It's there. I have no endurance in my genetics is what I'm convinced of. Fair enough. Well, then I'll, I'll then this conversation is going to go smoothly. Exactly. Because <laughs> otherwise it'll just be you and Emily. It would be you and Emily talking about sport climbing and then women's issues. And then I would try to like sneak, sneak a, a question in there. <laughs> he tries. No, I try. I, I'm an only child. And I believe, are you as well an only child? No. I, no, I have a, I have a brother. He's actually, he moved in with us. He's in medical school. And then I have two stepsisters as well. Guy, I don't know who I was confusing you with. I think Harley Kai, uh, she is a newer Texas lady crusher who went to one of our events and she's super awesome. I think you two would get along great, but in respect to our audience, let's introduce you. Who are you? What do you do? Obviously now you're a boulderer, broke my heart, but what's, what's the damn deal? <laughs> who am I? Well, okay. Just to clarify, I identify as a boulder, but I am also very much a sport climber. So, so diplomatic. <laughs> you are so, you, your prose is amazing. <laughs> uh, who am I? So I, well, I'm Elisa. I am uh, the program's associate for the Texas Climbers Coalition. I applied and joined almost two years ago, actually, my term is getting renewed this this coming January, or I'm reapplying, I suppose. And I am a Texas master naturalist as of May of this year. I went through that program. I used to be a dance and acting studio owner 
for a couple of years and I'm now a product designer. So I, I kind of like to dip my toes all over the place. You're a very multi-talented, smart, and well-versed human being, if I must give you a few plugs myself. So, so, <laughs> so what is a Texas nat master nat naturalist? You know, I didn't know what they were until fairly recently either. It, it's actually a program that goes on all through Texas, and they have different chapters in different cities. And essentially, we are educated volunteers. So we go through a training program and learn about all the ologies, essentially. And then we just have opportunities to get out and volunteer, you know, our time in different areas. So I spend a lot of time at Government Canyon because I think it is an understated, really beautiful state park that a lot of people have never gone to. And my husband volunteers at the Witty. So there's, you know, there's all sorts of opportunities. I'm the kind of person that likes trail building and, you know, getting my hands dirty. But, you know, there's a kind of educational aspects as well. So I'm kind of looking forward to the opportunity to be able to lead, for example, educational hikes, which is just something that unfortunately we haven't been able to do because of large groups in the pandemic. But it's something to look forward to. That's very cool. I've never heard of it before. Yeah, I haven't either. So can anybody apply for this or are there prerequisites? Or can you talk to us a little bit about the program and the process you went through? Of course. Uh, <laughs> Let's nerd out for a minute, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. There's, yes, so there's different chapters, like I mentioned. And so essentially anybody in Texas can just find whatever the local chapter near them is. And there's an application process. Usually they open it about two months before the class starts. And there's really no prerequisites. You just fill out an application form. And essentially what you're committing to is a couple of months worth of classes where you, know, you and your class get to learn from experts in their field on you know, all sorts of things regarding nature. My favorite was ethnobotany which is the study of how cultures have been shaped by botany, specific to native Texas. And it's, oh my gosh, I could talk about that. <laughs> and, and we are absolutely going to include Elisa's bio as well as all of the links to the shout outs and to the things that she supports, because let me tell you, there is a wide range and our girl was prepared today. <laughs> <laughs> so no worries, everyone. Now, Lisa, you're over in San Antonio, yes? I am, yes. And your home gym is a newer gym in San Antonio, which we've shared many times on the podcast, which is Armadillo Boulders. And in comparison to other gyms, what makes Armadillo so unique for the San Antonio area and also just in general? What do you think they have that's, that's different? Listen, Em, I am about to gush about this gym, <laughs> but it, it, I, it's, and I truly mean it. I mean, my words truly come from the heart. I started climbing in about 2015 and it was just kind of, I kind of forced my way into it. You know, you hang around people and you kind of hope to get invited places and, and that's how the knowledge transfer starts to happen. And when Armadillo Boulders opened, 
even the first time you walked in their doors before they really had a community to build from, there was just something kind of different that you could feel in that space. And uh, the owners, Michael and Joe, you can tell that they have a very clear vision for what they wanted to bring to the gym. And it was very much a sense of anybody is welcome here. And I truly believe that when somebody has a vision that that's, that's so clear as theirs, that things will fall into place for that to happen. And anything that doesn't fit that vision that maybe comes through their doors won't linger for long. Because of that, we're getting to watch the San Antonio climbing community start and grow into something just really special, <laughs> if I can say so myself. Yes. And you think a lot of that has to do with armadillo boulders? Because I know I do. Oh, 100%. And the opening of Medicine Wall. What was it like for you all to grab this opportunity again? You know, when I found out that the Texas Climbers Coalition had acquired, had purchased Medicine Wall, and it had been a, a very long and arduous process that went on over a great many years, that was actually the year that they had openings for the Texas Climbers Coalition. And it was actually the main reason that I decided to apply to join the board for the Texas Climbers Coalition. Before I joined, pretty much everybody that held a position with them was located in Austin. And being a San Antonio girl myself, I wanted to take advantage of the opportunity to have some San Antonio representation within the Texas Climbers Coalition. And we are so glad that you did. That was right <laughs> when I was getting ready to leave San Antonio. And I was like, that's the girl to be on the board right there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I don't sport climb, nor do I live in San Antonio, but I have friends that do both of those and they, they really enjoy Medicine Wall. It looks really cool. I like to get down there just to, to look around. It's definitely worth the visit. I know you're not a sport climber, but you know, maybe you can make an exception. Mm, He's no. got the gear. <laughs> I do. I have sport climbed. I've led, I've led outside. As I wink uh, awkwardly on the zoom call. <laughs> I'm more, I'm more excited about Inks Ranch personally. Oh yeah. Speaking of Inks Ranch, Elisa, you just spent some time out there, didn't you? Like, I don't know, making history or something something <laughs> or something yes i was out there what was it uh, almost two weeks ago and i i'm still riding that high do you want to share with our audience what you what you did out there what inks ranch is and how that opportunity came to you yes of course so inks ranch is a privately owned ranch that is pretty close to enchanted rock the way I see it, it's kind of Enchanted Rock 2.0. I'm sure you would agree. I definitely do. Very sharp, fresh, and highly undeveloped. Oh my even, gosh. It, even better. Even better. <laughs> even better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the first time I went, it, it just, my jaw dropped. I had no idea. I, you know, I got invited to to go out to to the ranch as an opportunity for bringing the knowledge of root development to kind of a more broader audience. And 
the way I, I understand it is the majority of root development has been happening and, and it's typically, it's typically guys, right? It's typically, um, heterosexual uh, Caucasian men. Um, if, it's in the <laughs> United, States. if it's in North America or excuse me, the United States. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a bunch of dudes. So part of, I mean, the way it was explained to me was, you know, there's not a lot of female representation, you know, it obviously exists, but it's, I mean, it's marginal. And so the goal of this was to, to, to bring in a group of women so that we could basically learn what goes into root development and, and everything. And I guess the goal is for us to be unleashed into the world and with this knowledge and, and you know, see what comes from it. But kind of have this be a catalyst for change from the moment I was approached by this I mean I was actually at a half price books the very first time I was wandering and I got a text I was like oh my god I was <laughs> running through half price books just giddy with joy but I had never I knew nothing about Inks Ranch so the first time I pulled in I'm driving in and it's a long road to get there it's like it 20 sure minutes just to get to the you know from the entrance to get to the the climbing area and there's kind of a moment where you turn a bend and you just see the granite domes everywhere it's incredible breathtaking yes yeah and so and did they none of it's been touched no it hasn't <laughs> and so like did they just throw you with a backpack full of stuff and say like go on have fun or or how how did it all how did it all go from your end? Because I, uh, for those who don't know, which probably a lot of people don't and won't, I was there kind of in the background. So what did it look like as an attendee, as a, a chosen attendee? Sure. I had had the opportunity to, to go out to Inks Ranch for the, the first uh, round of development weekends. I got to put in my first bolt out there, right? But one of the things that I didn't get to achieve, which is pretty high on my bucket list, was a first ascent. And there's an opportunity for that there, right? I mean, anything out there that's never been climbed, you know, if, you, if you're the first to climb it, that's, that's you. That's, you're, you're making history. So that the first time I, I, I got to go to Inks Ranch, that was definitely a goal in my mind. And, and I was just awestruck by the opportunity. But uh, you know, if I'm going to be honest, a little disappointed that I didn't get to meet that goal, right? So going into to this big weekend two weeks ago, that was like high on my mind. And, you know, I, I just wanted nothing more than to do whatever was necessary to make it possible. And so I, I got paired up with Climber Carl. He is the owner of ClimbTech. And uh, it was him and Sean. And so they're carrying the big packs. And I mean, Carl's just like going for it. He's, he's gunning for, for the area. And, you know, I just, I'm looking at him like, hey, I'm here to learn. I'm here to just, you know, be a pack mule if needed. And he was incredible. I mean, he like ran around the whole place and then looks at me and says, which climb? Which one's going to be yours? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's like, I mean, I get excited just from hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine what it must have felt like being out there and being like, seriously? Right. <laughs> I saw him walk like, around. Oh 
Mm-hmm. I, I saw him walk around and you weren't, you, I think we're like trailing a little bit, maybe just kind of taking a step. fast. Yeah. He does move very quickly. <laughs> okay. So, so you, you get to Inks Ranch the first time uh-huh. to do some development. You put up some bolts, correct? But you don't get a first ascent. Mm, correct. You yes. come out a second time. Uh-huh. And you work with Carl and Sean. Yes. And Carl offers you this opportunity, which yes, was offered in the beginning, you know, bolting and first ascent, but he literally is almost like a mentor of sorts for this, this experience. Is that what you would call him? Yes. Yes. There was definitely, you know, a different feel in the air, I could say, where he, his main goal, it, it felt to me, right, was making sure that my goal happened. And in, in that sense, I suppose that would very much be a mentorship role. You know, Jeremy and I often talk about the importance of that mentorship role. Have we ever talked about that? <laughs> Have you not been a part of our other 22 episodes? We've done 22 episodes? I think we're on number 23. Oh, I think you've only been yes, absent talk- for like one or two or three, but <clears throat> just some Jewish guilt to throw at you. You, you were absent for one of them. Anyway. For one. <laughs> yeah, we talk about it. We talk about it all the time. I'm just being silly. Um, yeah, I think it's really important. Thank you for that profound statement, Jeremy. Okay, <laughs> moving on. The point was to encourage this conversation that I want to hear, you know, coming from you, Elisa, is was that mentorship, uh, you know, position? Because I see you as a leader in, in the climbing community. Um, also in the San Antonio community, you have a great presence as an instructor, you know, as a business owner, just as a human being. So what was it like to almost, I don't know if this is the best way to put it, but almost be in the passenger seat and kind of start anew a little bit with this experience? Is that totally far off of (laughs) what that looked like? Please correct me. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, you know, I, I hadn't stopped to think about it, but it is definitely an interesting question because you're right. I, I am more used to being, you know, I've been teaching, I've been, I was teaching for years and, and I, you know, love stepping up to the plate as much as I can in a way, you know, it's going to sound weird, but it was almost refreshing to, to be in that role. You know, sometimes you're so focused on uh, how do I how do I put this? So it's like you know you have a wealth of knowledge, and I, I love sharing whatever I can bring to the table. But it's really important to always be able to step back and find somebody that knows something different than you or more than you, so that you can continue learning. And so that's kind of part of the journey of becoming a better person, I suppose, or, or just continuing to grow. So yeah, it was, it, it was really refreshing to, to have somebody that was just so openly willing to spend time teaching me so many amazing things. You know, it's because I think somebody that, that is willing to spend the time to do that really just out of complete selflessness, right? You know, that, that's a really special gift. So I haven't been to Inks Ranch yet. Thanks, COVID. Um, I was supposed to go to the uh, the climbing festival that they had there, but they got canceled. 
and no one ever invites me. It's fine. Uh, so is there just a bunch of stuff that's bolted out there that hasn't been climbed yet? Is it both of yours or? It's, you know, it's actually, there's just kind of untamed land. So part of the, the, the opportunity in this project was to go out and find lines and, and get to bolt the routes. And some of them, you know, are climbed and there's actually stuff out there that has been bolted, but doesn't have a first ascent yet. So, you know, yeah. it's up for grabs. Yeah. And, you know, Brian Tickle, who helped um, get that property with the access fund, um, which the connection was made, you know, via Bill Horton, who we featured um, a few months ago on the podcast, said that really it's only about a fifth, you know, and this is not verbatim, he could have said a sixth, I'm not sure, but of, of the land that they are on just on that part of the property. I mean, the amount of granite that is on this property and room for development is endless. We couldn't even do it all in one lifetime. But the amount still that's possible with what we can work with is is stunning. I heard that the boulders really haven't been touched at all. No, they haven't. Why do you think I got on one of them? Like, <laughs> I don't boulder. But we didn't have crash pads, so I didn't feel comfortable. Oh, talking that's out. where those pictures were from. Yeah, I yeah. I thought you were at Enchanted Rock. Honestly, that's what it looked like, which makes no. sense because it's right nearby. No, and I I want to say the boulder that I tried when I topped when I went around to look at the top out to see if it was clean. It almost seemed like somebody had been there before to brush off the kitty litter because once you it was this uh, short boulder with a crack in it, a vertical crack, and. Mm -hmm. When you get to the top, it's almost like there's a tata on each side, <laughs> like one tata on the right side and like one on the left for your hands to be able to just like sit on. And it was not dirty. There was not, I know that sounds terrible. <laughs> Tatas weren't dirty. Um, but these features, oh, that's not a good word either. Anyways, digging a bigger hole. Um, there was like cat litter, kitty litter, whatever you call it all around. But that area where you would pull up at mantle was completely clean. So. I don't know. I don't know if that boulder. How many crack boulders do you get to see, really? That's what I'm saying. I had to just put my hands in the crack. I had to. I mean, I don't know. I'm. I haven't looked. I haven't been to Enchanted Rock many times, but there's. I've seen several out there. But like that, like, you can jam. Oh, not you. Not that you can jam. Yeah, we're talking lay, like lay, lay back on you. Yeah. I don't. I don't crack climb either. Well, apparently the wide boys said that the best way to become, well, not the best way to become a trad climber, but one thing that they wish they would have done earlier in their climbing career was boulder more cracks that oh. the, that movement and, you know, how precise you have to be that, that, that really helps out with trad climbing. So wink, wink, Elisa, we need to get on some. <laughs> Some boulders going to be on him. so we're very specific. So we're back to bouldering being training for real climbing. It's a real thing. Bouldering is a real thing, guys. Okay, geez. no bouldering. Boulder is a word. New pebble wrestlers. <laughs> but um, you know, just to to wrap up the subject of inks, though, mm -hmm. you uh, you had a first ascent, and you may have gotten into a whole other discipline of climbing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a very incredible weekend for a myriad of reasons, but but yes, I actually left that weekend with two first descents. One of them was a a chimney climb that I that I got to bolt 
and I've got the hand scrapes to prove it. Turns out I'm really bad at hitting with a hammer. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that first day I, I was able to, to, I bolted the, the chimney crack on top rope. And then once it was all bolted, I, you know, roped back up, but on lead and, you know, got that as my, my first ascent, which was boom, bucket list item, right? I'm thinking this weekend can't get any better. And what did you name it? This, so this bold, so this, uh, the chimney crack or the chimney climb was, uh, in an area called the dungeon. So in order to maintain theme, I named it Iron Maiden as like the, the torture device, right? Cause you're kind of squeezing your way up. Very cool. Uh, yeah. And, um, so yeah, I mean, I thought, okay, this weekend can't, can't get any better. Right. And, and then the next day I go and I meet Carl and Sean again, and we find this, this big, beautiful rock. And, uh, so Sean goes up and he gets his first ascent and it was actually a trad first ascent. And, you know, he finishes and comes down and right next to it is this beautiful crack that has also never been climbed. And so Carl turned to me and said, he looked at the, he looked at the climb. He looked at me and said, you going to first ascend it? And I look at him, I go, Carl, I've never trad climbed before. I like I've mock led it, you know, I, I, I've taught myself in the discipline and, and taken classes and, you know, I've, I've mock led and placed gear before, but I've never had the opportunity to actually put myself on the sharp end. And so I told him, Hey, I, I've never, I've never led trad before. And he paused, looked at the climb, looked at me and said, so you're going to climb it. <laughs> yeah, sounds, sounds about right with climbers. <laughs> yep. And I said, yeah, I mean, okay, let's do it. And so. <laughs> what could go wrong? What could go? No, listen, this was the most special experience because you know, Carl was incredible about, first of all, making sure that I was very safe throughout it because it was my first trad lead and, you know, helping me out with, you know, he can just eyeball and say, okay, I think you're going to be able to place, you know, this at this spot. And, you know, so he, he was awesome about keeping, making sure that I was going to be safe the whole way. That said, Em, I know you're a trad climber. I am. Yes. Or crack climbers. Some people like to say crack climbing because the gear is considered traditional gear. So it's actually crack climbing. That could be a whole nother conversation. Ooh, that's <laughs> which a we won't have. I, I want to go, go through. <laughs> but to answer your question, yes, I do. I do climb with okay. trad gear. Yes. Okay. Um, um, I know there are many, many trad climbers out there. I have to say of all of my climbing experiences, that was the most terrifying thing <laughs> I have ever done. <laughs> Sister heard that. You're like, wow. Oh, I yeah. was so scared. Yep. So scared. Yep. <laughs> I, I don't want to be six feet above any protection that I have decided where it goes. <laughs> but the gear's rated. No, I'm kidding. Things always happen. You know, and some people will say that, hey, I'm placing this gear. I trust myself. I trust my placements. I trust this rock. 
these lines over here have been bolted. I don't know how long they've been maintained. I don't know, you know, so there, there's, and then of course the traditional mentality, which was, I mean, from the start with Royal Robbins and, um, oh gosh, what was his name? The other guy? Uh, Warren Harding. There we go. Um, you know, the beef between them, among many things, um, a lot of that was the fact that Warren Harding placed bolts all up on Yosemite. Right. And Royal Robbins was all about the traditional. So. That's different kind of bolting. <laughs> Big wall bolting. So what was so scary about trad climbing for those who haven't put their hands in cracks or even looked at a cam or a nut or a nut tool or anchor gear or anything? Well, I'll be the first to tell you that I am a huge scaredy cat. I push my boundaries constantly, but I am for the most part scared most of the time, right? Um, and there's just something about the idea of placing the gear and thinking about, well, I, I like, I hope I did this right, you know, and even having somebody there look and say, yeah, no, that's an excellently placed piece of gear. There's just something mental about it. That is just another ball game, right? I, you know, I know you mentioned there's definitely sport climbing areas where you might be looking at that bolt and going, oh, there's no way I want to trust that. But for the most part in central Texas, we're pretty spoiled. And we are. Yep. And yeah. And it just, there's just something about, you know, that, I don't know, it just felt more raw, more real. Well, it is. I guess. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, well, it, I think it's the closest I felt like, oh my gosh, this is like climbing, you know? What's really real is when you don't use ropes at all. Like bouldering. Like bouldering. Are yeah. funny. Well, and the thing that a lot of people may not understand about the granite out at Enchanted Rock and Inks Ranch is that it has some very unique features that can definitely um, hinder your, your placements to where um, these little, these little and big crystals can completely just toy with you for lack of a better word. And you can spend more time on placing your gear because, you know, your, um, I mean, oh gosh, my brain isn't even working, but the lobes of the cams can get tipped and you are exhausting yourself trying to make this work. Whereas sandstone, you know, or granted in the East here, as you place that stuff and it's like, Boom, placed, move on. So I went out the, the few times that I've been out to uh, Enchanted Rock, you walk around and if you just rub some of the boulders, like the crystals just come right off in certain areas. Do you run into that issue, like placing gear? Oh, most like certainly. It, it could slide. Because Absolutely. Of Part of placing trad gear is looking at rock quality. And sometimes you can't fucking see it. <laughs> You know, you stick your hand in the crack and you feel a little flaky stuff and you do some movement and then all of a sudden you're pulling off some crystals. And you're like, ha, huh, that's reassuring. <laughs> so it takes a bold, confident and scared, I think, human to commit to crack climbing. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Yeah. It, okay, it's... me, me. <laughs> not, well, not putting that on anybody else. Sorry. And I was going to say before about fear that every once in a while, somebody will ask me like, when do you get over the fear of falling and bouldering or whatever? And I'm like, 
I've never gotten over the fear of falling and bouldering or falling and climbing period. And I don't want to, to be honest with you, because to me, fear, there's a certain amount of fear that keeps you safe. Now, yes, there are some irrational fears. Like if you're like three feet off the ground bouldering and you fall, you're most likely not going to hurt yourself. So being scared of, of going for a move at like three or four feet off the ground is kind of irrational, but you know, being, being worried about whether or not you tied your figure eight right or not is, is rational in my opinion. And it's that fear that it makes you do those double checks and, you know, question your, your processes and your systems. And I think that's important. It absolutely is. Yeah. And then taking calculated risks. Sure. Definitely. So are you about to like buy your first rack or do you already have one? Or I mean, like, when are we going to go trad climbing? <laughs> hey, you tell me when and I'll be there. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, that was, uh, what an experience. It, there's definitely something to be said about having, you know, like you're saying, Jeremy, a, a rational fear and then pushing past it. Right. And yep. I think, I, well, I don't want to speak for you all, but for me personally, that's part of the allure of climbing is, oh, I'm scared, you know, to, to commit to this move on my boulder problem or to, to really go for it on a sport climb between bolts, right? Yep. Or to trad climb and, you know, getting to, to, to watch your motivation and your want for that thing, your hunger, right? Like, I want to get this. I want to do this. Watch that surpass that fear. And then you push past it. it, it it's just such a, a visceral and wonderful valiant, thing. Yeah. Valiant moment. I, I think about it, Elisa, when you paint that picture, it reminds me of the, the pictures or the photos or the paintings that you see in almost like doctor's offices or psychology clinics with like the person on top of the mountain and they have some cheesy quote and it's just like, why are they using that example? And it's because of exactly what you said. I mean, you're committing to something, sometimes the unknown and you are scared, but you have it within yourself. You follow through. And when you get to the top there, I mean, unless you're a famous or sponsored, there's no camera crew, you're not getting a payment. And when you go down to the parking lot, when you're done, there's not a fan base there waiting for you. Like it's, yeah. it's very personal. And, um, the accomplished oh. feeling is very unique. I always think that pushing past that fear is the fun part. Mm -hmm. um, oh yeah. You know, like, you know, people like to ride roller coasters or watch scary movies. Or, I'm not into any of that really, but that's fun to me. Like just beating my own insecurity is exciting. So. And, and what are some ways you process fear, Elisa, when you, when you are in these scenarios or if you're topping out at, you know, armadillo or at a, at a different gym and you're feeling a little squirrely, <laughs> what goes on in your brain? Do you talk to yourself? What does it sound like? How does that look? It's definitely a process. There used to be a point, especially kind of early on when I started climbing, where there was definitely fear paralysis, where there were certain things that I, I just did not feel comfortable doing because of that fear, even though it was irrational. And I think to an extent, at some point in every climber's career, except maybe like 15 year old boys, those, they, I don't think they have fears, but 
for the most part, I, I feel like most people that climb experience that to an extent. And there's definitely something to be said about exposure, right? Is, is you, you, and coming, you know, I have a, a degree in, in experimental psychology and I, I love reading about ways to hack your brain, right? To, to be able to do things. But there's definitely something to be said about exposing yourself to something that scares you, whether it's a spider or heights or committing to something that's, that's scary and climbing and doing it over and over again until it becomes more comfortable. And, you know, for, you know, an example that, that, that Jeremy could relate to because uh, it's bouldering. If you're, you're doing a boulder problem, right? And, and you're, you're, there's a move that's really scary and you just keep climbing until you get to that move. And eventually you do it so much that you're not even thinking about the fear and you're just so focused on committing to the move that you surprise yourself and you do it, right? Um, now, sometimes you don't have the luxury of that. Sometimes you find yourself on your first trad ascent and <laughs> you're just trying not to think about it too hard. And, you know, in that case, it, there's just something about pushing through. It's just, it's just pushing through, I guess. It's acknowledging I'm scared at this moment. There's nothing I can do about it. I want to do this thing more than I want to bail. So I'm going to do it. And there is no other option. And when you eliminate the other option in your head, and you just do it. I definitely flashed a problem at Bull Creek out of fear. You <laughs> <laughs> didn't want to down climb. I didn't want to go down. Heard that, way, brother. Yeah, it's good to go up. And, and you leave and yourself the, no other choice. Yeah, and, and to go off of a point that you made earlier, two fears that you have to deal with while climbing in Central Texas is spiders and heights. Because <laughs> you may stick your finger in a hole and some daddy long legs may come out. Oh, that happened at Medwall, and I think Daddy Longlegs are very entertaining. But let me tell you, when I'm going for a flake and like a team of them come out, I I squeal. I I almost left a quick draw at Medwall because <gasps> it was surrounded by Daddy Longlegs, and I just wasn't sure if it was worth it. <laughs> oh my god. I would have like thrown a twig at it or something and just get them. Oh my gosh, you're so funny. The naturalist, listen to you. you know, <laughs> wanted to leave the quick draw behind. That's hilarious. I'm embarrassed to say. No, no, no. So when you are not climbing and working and being a dog mom and a wife and a family member, what do you, what else do you do? What are some of your favorite pastimes that are not climbing related or or is that your your main focus? <laughs> I was definitely forced to find pastimes when when COVID hit, uh, but no. So I, I th yeah, there's definitely a lot of things that I enjoy outside of climbing. Climbing is definitely the forefront, but <laughs> I actually love cooking. My so Emily likes cooking too. I I hear you. Is it is it a hobby? <laughs> One of her hobbies. One of her, one cooking, of her paid hobbies. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, 
I think I think she likes avocados. Yeah, yeah. Just because I have one stinking tattoo. You know, I am very heavily tattooed, but because these are on my wrist, these small tattoos, everybody thinks like my whole diet consists of avocados. And I get avocado I accoutrement mean, like all the time. Socks, towels, bracelets, have, notepads. Well, I'm not done. Headbands. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Headbands. Now I know what to get you for Christmas. Yeah, bring it on. I think everybody else just likes avocado stuff. And then they give it to me because I have the small tattoo. Anyways, so sorry. So Elisa, you love yes. to cook. I love to cook. Among, yeah, uh, I love to cook. I love to hike. I love to... Uh, a garden. I, I'm not good at it, but I have a garden in my yard. It's important to know your strengths and weaknesses, friend. <laughs> I have a garden as well. And people constantly ask me like, how do you get that stuff to grow so well? I'm like, I don't know. I just, yep. I just water it. I don't know what, no idea but what I'm doing. it looks good. Yours does. Jeremy. Thank you. All I do is water it and weed it. <laughs> and post it on your Instagram story. That's right. <laughs> And if it all died, I would have no idea what I did. I'm like, oh, I watered it. I weeded it. Should have been fine. Yeah. Pesky plants. What do they want from me? <laughs> Son, I don't know. Oh, man. Well, do you and your hubby have any uh, at-home projects right now? Did you get into the home climbing gym, um, you know, bandwagon when COVID hit? Did you pick up knitting? Uh, what was it? No. <laughs> did I pick up knitting? I, pre before COVID actually, there was a local climber that was getting rid of his home wall. And so I purchased it and then didn't have enough people to put it back together. So one day I actually got, I'm very stubborn. So I, whenever I decide I want to do something, I just bullhead my way through it. And that's what I did with setting this climbing wall back up. And it turns out that I'm not so great with power tools and or, or hammers is or, <laughs> or hammers or really building things in general. Uh, I do try though, you know, um, I built my, my, the raised garden bed. I built two now. They're not straight, but they hold the soil and the, 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 the plants in. So, so yes, yeah. for Lisa. <laughs> Again, bullheaded. So yeah, I set this this climbing wall up and I didn't do a good job. And so I climbed on it a little bit, but anything more than like the slowest of static movements makes it kind of shake. So I stopped climbing on it because I think that I'm going to hurt myself. <laughs> Maybe some reinforcement wouldn't hurt with those. <laughs> well, um, I did get a climbing coach though. Oh, really? Tell me about I that. I did. So I, yeah, I had been wanting to, you know, just, it's, it's something that I, climbing is something I enjoy and I've been, you know, pretty serious about it. And honestly, when everything shut down and I really realized I had nothing to look forward to in my day, I felt, well, I, I need to, I need to fix that. Right. And I had actually been uh, messaging and in contact with a climbing coach for a while that, you know, I was going to start working with him but then I, I ended up kind of getting a flare-up of tendonitis and so I kind of put it on hold and and then just you know the stars lined up and so I started working with him and um 
it, it's it's been awesome. Um, he is, so it, his name is is Robin O'Leary, and he um, recently moved to the states. Mr. Uh, Alex, sure. Mr. I was going to say. It. <laughs> Hey, Puzio is a Texan. She is a Texan. So scores for me. (laughs) And she's a great athlete. So, oh my gosh, she's, she's incredible. And the two of them together. Great. Okay. Sorry. So Robin, new coach. (laughs) Robin, Robin. Yeah. He is incredible. Uh, you know, any climber wanting to, to get, get on a program, you know, he's, he's awesome to work with and he really helped me uh, build strength and, and just, again, have something to look forward to every day. You know, I'm like, okay, I've, I've got my training plan. This is what I'm going to do. And having, you know, watching yourself grow stronger while you're not able to do everything that you're as much as you want, right. Because of certain limitations is, is really good for your mental health. <laughs> so that's been a hobby is, is just climbing pretty much on my free time and training when I, when I'm not climbing, I suppose. Yeah. I, I kind of miss having a climbing coach for a while. I was working with the power company and I just stopped for some reason. I got, I don't know. It's like after a while you get tired of like going in, like just training, you just want to go and climb mm-hmm. sometimes. And so I don't know. I just, it got to the end and I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm going to go climb for a while. But now I'm kind of like, I should get back to doing that. I got like a thousand percent improvement in my footwork. <laughs> It's legit. You go to the pros just, to get the, you know, the pro experience. That's for sure. My footwork has gotten bad lately. Are you hopping feet? Switching feet? Some, a, lot, a lot of people, when they start trying to work on footwork, if they don't know, they like hop in a, instead of replacing the toe. I, I made that. Oh, like, like switching well, your feet out? It's switching, or? but like you're, you're doing a little hop. And it's like... I was discouraged highly from that by, um, Chelsea rude when she had come to Austin. I had no idea. I just thought I was like, Oh, this is cool. And she's like, actually, you don't want to do that. Oh, I don't know what my issue is to be honest with you. So (laughs) no, neither Jeremy. (laughs) So I'm of that age where I have glasses where in the middle is first thing. I I basically have trifocals, but they're, they're, they're all blended. Yeah, three is better than one. Um, a lot of people have them, so don't judge me. What's um, the third thing for? So, What's what? the third thing for? You oh, so there's eyes. up top is for lo- what up top is for long distance, and for bottom is for reading, and then in the middle is a blend of the two, so it's for mid distance. And I don't know, like I've been putting my feet above the hold, and then down instead of like, you know, gently placing it there. And my wall looks like it because there's these big black marks above the holds, like a lot of people's walls, but mine's worse, I feel like. And I don't know if I'm just missing it because I can't, like my depth perception is screwed up. Or the other part is, is I've been pushing myself harder and harder at 15 degrees. And so they made me more desperate foot moves. I'll admit that. Like I'm holding on to two crimps at 15 degrees and I'm just like, I got to move these feet. That foot's going to land where it's going to land. And yeah, I don't, I don't care. Least, yeah. You know, <laughs> We're going at least for the you top. know that if you're above it, you're going to land on it eventually as opposed to being below it and just missing it completely. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. But it's frustrating. Cause I've actually, you know, like I've 
really focused on it a few times and, and missed completely. So I think it's something to do with my glasses. I'm blaming it. I'm just glasses. give you belay glasses. <laughs> just, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm the worst is throw a wrench in things. Oh my gosh, the worst with belay glasses is when the sun catches it and you're like, yeah, geez, I almost blinded. Don't do that, people. Don't yeah. look in the sun was, or when there's anyways, I won't even go there. I was I saw a video on Instagram where someone put their belay glasses on a dog and that dog was <gasps> confused. That's so <laughs> mean. Well, I thought it was mean too, but I was like, that dog does not know what's going on. That's, I feel like that's something I would do, but then someone else would tell me that was mean. So it's different being in the reverse roles. Emily, just in case you ever think of it, okay. it is me. Okay. No matter how much your dog scared the crap out of you before we started recording. <laughs> but to be clear, sunglasses on dogs, cute and okay. Super cute. Yes. I'm all for more, more crag cats, personally. Oh, got mm. alliteration. Mm. It does crag cats? Anyways, I think no. we should do more of that. <laughs> What's that look? What's wrong with cats? Cats are great for the people who love them. Are you not a cat person, Em? I like kittens, but <laughs> I I want a domestic animal to want me and to want to hang out with me and not look at me and think, not today. Oh. <laughs> uh. And I'm like, why won't you love me? I can't bribe you. That makes sense because that that just pretty much sums up our different looks at other humans in general. Like, yeah, I am more of an mm-hmm. introvert. We were just like, okay, I'm just gonna stay over here and do my own and thing. And then I'm like the dog that's like, look, look at my stick. Look what more. I got. Look at this really cool stick. Oh, bird. Oh, look at that bird. <laughs> like, look, at, look, I got a rope. I got a quick draw. I got a harness. You guys want to go up? You want to go up? You want to go up? You want to give me a sense? You want to tell me a story? Tell me a story. Come. No, I'll tell you a story. Okay, here's my story. <laughs> or I'm over here. I'm like, I got my pad. I'm just going to climb on this rock by myself for a little while. And then me, like the dog, so never... comes up. Why do you want to go over there? Why don't you want to come over here? What's that? What's in your bag? <laughs> Although I never bowled her alone. So there's that. Kind of fails on that aspect. Well, to begin that conversation or to refer to that beginning, um, I am in my fiance's law office, which he lets me office out of, and there's a door behind me and I forgot that it wasn't closed. And so I'm just talking to Jeremy before you got on, before we started recording and Harpua, our hundred pound chocolate lab, all of a sudden I feel like this weird feeling on my left arm. And then his snoot is like in my chest area. And I about lost my marbles. I had absolutely, (laughs) I about jumped out of my chair. She was uncontrollably giggling for about three minutes. And when, I, when I laugh great. really hard, like I start crying and then I start like making these really funny exhales and then like, like gasping, like, <gasps> and, and, and then, and then I start laughing at myself because the sounds are ridiculous and you missed all of it. If you would have, you missed it. <sighs> I'm so disappointed. <laughs> it was- if it hadn't been for the neighbor with the, the electric guitar, I'm telling you. It was entertaining for sure. Yeah. So you got to get that home wall going. I, I got to get that short up. I guess I need to find somebody actually qualified to help me. Just throw more wood on it. It'll be fine. <laughs> did you, Jeremy, did you build your home wall? I did. You yeah. did. He did. I didn't. so yeah. intimidated? So, so you brought up that you, you were a theater teacher before. I studied tech theater in college. 
So I spent about two or three years building scenery. Now I'm 45 years old. So that was like 20 plus years ago. I mean, the dinosaurs so I was a little intimidated. just becoming extinct. Oh my God, Emily. So I actually do have a few friends that are still work in the industry. One of my friends yeah. runs the theater program at a school. And um, so I, I hit him up just to double check myself. But yeah, it's, you know, it's, let's throw some screws. I don't know. My, the, my wall is really okay. simple. So yeah, I mean, the reinforcement with the, um, the thinner wood, I don't know if you call it like not plywood, but is it? It is plywood, yes. That thinner wood that the holds the holes on the thinner wood with the whatever. That's, that's plywood. The thing in the place. <laughs> that's, the pl that's plywood, Emily. <laughs> you hear me? But, I mean, it, it, and your your wall may shake a little bit. I don't mind. Well, and ours is a prefab wall by Brewer Fitness, and oh, it's at a forty five degree angle, so it is totally up your alley. Since I've seen you do some moon moon wall or moon board moon wall moon, moon board, board bouldering. I, I want. I'm going to start calling it the moon wall from now on. The moon, whatever you want to call it. I'm I like kidding. that better. The moon, the moon wall. Like <laughs> and the kilter um, wall. And so the way that this particular wall by Brewer Fitness was made is that um, it's supposed to be so only uh, one person can, or it's made so that one person can put it together and then also collapse it and put it against a wall, which it is very heavy. But even though it is reinforced with, I'm sure it's stainless steel and then has, you know, the wood and all that kind of stuff, when we pull on it with that angle and that weight, it does... Mm -hmm. I don't want to say it flexes, but it's definitely reactive. Okay. Well, I said, yeah. I'll say this. I'm a big guy, like a big guy, even for like a normal human being, not to mention just being a climber. When I, so my plywood goes horizontally and there's no reinforcement on the horizontal seams on the plywood. When I pull on it, there's, there are times when I pull on it and the plywood comes out like a quarter of an okay. inch. Okay. And it hasn't, hasn't broken yet. And it's fine. Like, uh, that's the cool thing about having a home wall that you built yourself that um if it breaks i'll just fix it you know what i mean like i don't, I don't worry about it too yeah, much. but you don't want to break was, on top of you that's true you don't want that to happen no, i mean who would be my co-host i mean i wouldn't want oh. you to get hurt is what i'm saying <laughs> oh. sorry i see i see what your priorities are <laughs> she has so, a good point though yeah you don't want it to break on top of you but but i'm a guy hmm. It should be fine. So I have, I am notorious. Yeah, because that's me. You are more of a climber bro than I am. Anyway. Um. Feel feisty <laughs> on Friday night. <laughs> I know. No, I mean, I think, you know, I just, there's geometry involved and there's certain things, you know, you have a triangle that's not going to collapse like immediately. So I suppose so. The thing about wood is like, like if the screws break, you're going to hear the wood crack. And like it's your home wall. Like, how tall is it? Like, Stop mine's only eight. Pressuring eight. her. Well, so here's the thing, though. Too is I'm not pressuring <laughs> her. I'm just trying to. You guys, you guys are like interrogating me about how I know my wall is safe, and I'm just trying to explain it. That's all. Well, I have trust issues because <laughs> I I don't know what it is about my being, but I'm a very I guess heavy-handed person. I break glasses all the time you too okay i am bull in a china cabinet that's my nickname yes. with my family yep anytime yep. i climb i swear to you like 
I will break a hold. You're I like, will like I've broken holds in Yosemite. I've broken holds in New Mexico. I've broken holds at Rymers. I've broken holds at Iraq. I broke so many holds at Inks Ranch that people started calling me Shira because it just looked like I was angry at the wall. And I have broken a hold off my home wall. I don't know how, but the plastic resin broke off. So um, I am just, I I'm just don't know what to trust anymore. Yeah. But yeah, so if a hold broke, that's just the hold breaking. It's not your wall breaking. Yeah. But have you broken a hold? It's scary. No. Not at not, not at yeah, home, not at home. But, um, no. I have a scar on my hand from when I ripped um a volume off the wall of ABP and the no. the uh, the screw in the in the volume as it was flipping around hit me. I had to go get um I had to go to urgent care to get it to get yeah, to get a tetanus shot and I had to get it taped back together. I thought I was gonna need, the reason I went is I thought I was gonna need stitches, but oh I did my not. gosh. I still have the scar though. Wow. So the whole volume came off. Yep. So there was a hold with a screw, you know, hold bolted into a screwed on volume and it ripped off my hand. It's, it's a common fear for us heavier people. Oh my gosh. Cause you know, sometimes they'll put a volume up and they only put like two or three screws in it. And then if a, you know, a normal sized human gets on it, then it's fine. So that, I mean, that, but, that brings me, that makes me think of a question is now that you have a home wall and you kind of understand a little bit about how the sausage is how the sausage is made with in regards to drilling holes into the wall have has that changed the way you climb at the gym where you're like hmm i i know how this works now and i'm not so sure anymore good question i haven't been back to the gym since i built my home wall but I will say that it has made me feel less critical about setters. Setters, yes. <laughs> in the sense, in the sense that I will, I will put a hold in my wall, and I use the. In, I have an impact gun and everything, and I'll put it in there. I think it's tight as could be, and then like three sessions later, it spins on me, and I'm like, "What the heck is going on?" Like I don't, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm doing it wrong, but. Um, yeah, so if a hold spins, if I went back to the gym and a hold spins, I'd be way less irritated than I used to be about it. Um, where I was just like, oh, why, why isn't this mm -hmm. tight? You know, I climb on my wall and I loosen the holds on my wall. You, you have a gym and then you have a hundred people climb a problem. A hold's going to loosen up eventually. So. Mm -hmm. We so love made our you more empathetic. I think, What'd what did you say, Lisa? Sorry. No, it just, it's made you more empathetic towards, towards them. Yeah, and and just you know, coming up with problems on my home wall has made me, you know, it's it's hard. It's it is so hard, um, and I really appreciate the setters. I've made it a point when I see them to sometimes just be like, "Thank you for your job. You are so great. We, I mean, I you put so much into it, and they're actually like, oh wow, you're welcome, because <laughs> it is their job. But it's kind of like yeah. if I see a custodian in in a bathroom sometimes that like. The grocery store or the airport and be like thank you for what you're doing you know appreciate <laughs> i would say on the other hand it has reinforced the belief that i had before which is that setters really should use smaller holds on lower grade problems in the gym so at home i use because i'm a mm -hmm. i'm a bigger guy and that's one of the reasons that it holds me back as far as my grades go but i can still crimp i can still use in-cut crimps and 
pockets and you know just smaller holes but a lot of times at the gym a v0 or a v1 problem is just these giant jug halls up or they use the same i don't know if it's because they're trying to i mean and i know now the one thing i know is that holds are color matched across brands so that's less of an issue but i used to always think well why are they using like 12 of the exact same hold in this problem it must be just because of the color it has to match especially at some place like abp where they they do their color their grading by color but now i know that like you can not only a can you get colors or any hold in any color you want because there's color codes and they're universal across industry but you know and i was why why don't they just use smaller holds for make the moves easier if you want to or make the angle easier but use smaller holds like every once in a while you get one or two in the gym but that's it and then so if you anyway my point is, is that if you take if you're climbing v2 or v1 or v2 in a gym you're getting much larger holds than you'll ever have outside especially here in central texas so it's kind of annoying like you're you're training in the gym and you can only climb in this range and in, in that gym but they're only using this side these this size holds and then you go outside and it's not preparing you for what you really need outside which is finger strength and getting used to gripping those smaller holds that's a really good point i never considered that but i would appreciate that too um, it does bring up a question for me that I have for both of you. Do y'all think that those type of holds are for a more experienced climber and that maybe newer climbers wouldn't know how to do that? I think they would. I think they would know how to grab a crimp or step on a jib or, I don't know. Um, I mean, I think, I mean, there's, there's nothing special about crimping, right? It's, I mean, the only thing you have to know about crimping is how to not to hurt yourself crimping. <laughs> You know, you know, you're into dangerous territory when you wrap the thumb around, right? Isn't that the deal? I don't see. I don't even know. No, when, when you, you go for you the full crimp as opposed to the half, you can close it. It just depends on, I think, what kind okay. of move you're making. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't hurt to see a pinch or slopers. What do you think, Elisa? Yeah, no, I, I, I love the idea of introducing a variety of holds in easier climbs to your point jeremy i think sometimes you know it, it might feel just depending on the circumstances for beginners that there's just a whole nother barrier of entry to build their skills because you know you're you've mastered the jug v zeros like you're saying and then you know you're entering you 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 feel like you can't enter the new territory of say a v3 because you've never climbed on a crimp before Whereas, you know, there's potential to start maybe building some of that finger strength on some slabbier crimps, right? Where you're not really, you know, you probably don't want to see a, a crimpy 45 degree v, V1 overhang, right? That, that, I, that, there's no way that could be a V1. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. But At McKinney Falls, it could be. Oh my gosh. Yeah, maybe. Elisa, what are some of the non-Texas um, areas you've climbed at? So the first time I bouldered outside was at Rocky Mountain National Park. And that type of granite is super cool. It's so different from what I was used to, which was the Enchanted Rock granite. So for anybody outside of Texas listening to this, if, you know, if, you're, if you're thinking of granite and you've not climbed in Texas, Enchanted Rock is very unique in its granite. I think Em, you mentioned it a little bit. 
but and humble and humbling. It is of the when in doubt, run it out because the guys who developed that back then, Ooh, we, they did what they could with what they had in it. And it is still very present. (laughs) And we're crack gloves. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So, yeah, so I've climbed at, at Rocky Mountain National Park. I've, I've climbed in, in different areas in Colorado. I went, I've bouldered briefly in New Mexico, um, kind of on a whim with, with my husband, Oliver. I convinced him to, to go out. We had a crash pad in our car when we were vacationing and and you know i convinced him to go to this area nearby and we got so very lost trying to follow mountain projects directions in the desert in new mexico and i'm so afraid of snakes and i was just terrified that i was going to step on one and you know we eventually found the the bouldering area and i think i climbed for maybe all of 10 minutes and went okay i'm I'm tired we were lost in the desert for two hours let's just go home i've climbed in yosemite uh we i went there on my honeymoon uh and so we got an opportunity to to climb out there as well i think that's it as far as outside of texas have you climbed at waco i have climbed at waco tanks yes it's literally my favorite place on earth isn't it magical I love it there. Have yeah. you been in? You've been. I yeah, have, you've but, been. You've yeah. done the Texas Lady Crusher. Yeah, that was events. my third trip. Wow. Yeah. I've been every every year for the past three years. What an opportunity to be able to take out, you know, women that have never had an opportunity to climb at a place like there's nothing like no. Waco tanks for bouldering. No, there isn't. And is that rewarding? It was Just a divine to- experience. It was <laughs> I didn't really tell the girls much about it. I didn't really recommend, uh, you know, I, I, I just shared some basic photos, what we were, you know, where we we're going to stay. And of course, give them the park information, but I really didn't open it up too much because when we got to the park, I wanted them to take it in for, for what they were seeing. And then as we walked up, we had an amazing guide. Her name is Natalie. And, uh, she was a perfect fit for us. And, the way these women went at the boulders. I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting what I saw. I hadn't even gotten my camera out when we had our girl do her first climb, which was an on-site. Wow, at Waco, up, thanks. Cindy just straight up, you know, Natalie took us to a certain area. Cindy looks at it and I'm thinking, we're just feeling the hold she's going over you know, how to, how to fall like basic stuff. And then before I know it, Cindy's already halfway up and she's topping out. And I was just like, I I didn't even get this. I didn't even get that. Like I was, I felt terrible. It was. Which, which area were you at? Do you know? Um, I don't, I don't. Um, there's like a horizontal traverse that you can do. And then there's like a big dyno move. I think it's like a V three of sorts and then when you go warm down up. a little bit further to the warm-up roof the warm-up rope boulders or, right? that, and then you roof. go down around to the right and there's like v0 like real quakoey big yeah so it was it was that that area is that a, is that on north no i think that's west isn't it west is it okay it's one of the guided areas yes that i do know 
there's an area on North Mountain called Warm Up Wall, which looks like it's been warmed up on a million times and is no longer warm upable, in my opinion. At least not on my level of climbing. It's, it's so slick. It's been worn. Yeah, it was. And anyway, yeah, to answer your question, it was amazing. We stayed the Waco Hacienda. Um, I was the chef for the trip and just kind of managed everything. And wow. we all stayed in the bunk room and did some meditation, a little breathing, had some swag bags, got to hang out with some of the staff members, Emily. Um, Emily Simon was out there as well. And she, uh, I ran into her a couple of years before. I mean, it was just all great. There's, there's nothing I cannot say that's, or there's nothing I can say that's, I don't even know what the word is. Waco is just magical. That's it. It is. Well, and getting to experience it or really any climbing areas, especially in a trip format, right? Where you get to travel with other people that there's something extra special about that. I think, right. You know, uh, there's, uh, yeah, I, m- people have aspirations of climbing hard and I definitely have that as well. Right. I, I go, oh, I want to do a V5. I want to do a, you know, a 512 or what, what have you, right. Whatever, whatever grade you want to do. And that's well and good, but my favorite memories of climbing all involve other people. And it's not about the grade. It's about the adventure that I had with a group of friends, either old or new or family. And that's what makes it special for me. So I can imagine taking people out in that way and having them experience that and knowing, hey, I, you know, I made this happen. <laughs> That has to be really fulfilling. Fulfilling, absolutely. To be able to give that space for those relationships is very, um, very special. And there's a magic that happens when women get together and climb together, especially if they don't know each other. You know, they don't know each other's histories. They don't know each other's pasts. Um, They're showing up. They're there for the same thing, but they all came for a different personal reason. And to see that transpire individually and then collectively, I can't even, I, it makes me speechless. It's amazing. So yeah, you, you hit the nail right on the head with that. <laughs> For sure. Won't be the last one. I promise. Yeah. And I would say that it doesn't even have to be some big organized trip, but just you and your friends, right? Like, like I went out with my friends. We went to the Waco Rock Rodeo a few years ago. And honestly, I could I could tell you nothing about the climbing that I did that almost nothing about the climbing I did that day, but I could tell you about the entire trip and the crazy. We went to we ended up out in New Mexico one day. We were gonna go climb on the day before the rock rodeo. We we're gonna go climb at the cave, which is the climbing gym in El Paso. But they didn't op- they don't open till like three o'clock in the afternoon. So we ended up going to New Mexico. The winds were like forty miles an hour. People had to stand on the pads, otherwise they'd blow away. It was crazy. And it was also a local was taking us back there. And it was one of these places where you're like, I'm definitely going to die here. Like we're driving past a quarry, but we're on these off-road like two tracks. And I was like, if I make it out of this, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> but, um, but it was a great experience and we had a good time. And, you know, just the, just traveling out to Waco was an experience. <laughs> from a nine and a half hours or whatever it is on the road. But yeah, that's great. And then, I had the chance to go back to Waco late last year with some friends and stayed in an Airbnb and it was super cool. We got to cook food with each other and hang out and be stupid. 
isn't that one of the coolest things that that climbing has to offer is that you get to have experiences like that almost it, it, it's almost organic how you can quickly create trips with friends to go out and and climb where you know i i see it, it seems like sometimes adults especially feel like it's really hard to make new friends or to to have experiences or you know go out on trips like that and it's just something where we have one commonality and that's climbing and we can decide hey we're going to go to this place all together and we're going to do this thing we're just going to go wake up do the thing and then hang out and it makes it so easy to just plan an experience and you, to your point, Jeremy, it, it's it doesn't even have to be about the climbing, right? But the last time I went out to Waco Tanks, the story that always pops into my head was after when, you know, our guide told us about the little Mexican grocery store, and we went, got the biggest burritos and probably five donuts each, and just ate them all on the way back, driving, just having a great time, and just eating ourselves silly with sugar. <laughs> And again, it has nothing to do with climbing, and it's just about a shared experience with friends. And that's something that is offered to us via the sport. Yeah, Jeremy and I do talk about the fact that a lot of people in, in the general public don't see that side. They have all these opinions about us or what they think we're about and, and that uniqueness. They just they just don't know. Do you think that that's a common occurrence if you're talking to people about climbing and they've never been exposed to it or like they, do they just think that you climb without ropes on Yosemite <laughs> like that guy and he did the thing at the place? <laughs> yes. It's always, Oh, do you free solo? Well, they call it free climbing and then, you know, you got to go into the explanation, but no, a hundred percent. I think anybody that's on the outside probably now right is aware of climbing a lot more than we were even you know four or five years ago because of the don wall and because of free solo and because of the fact that the climbing we will be in the olympics right and so it's just making a bigger impact in pop culture and society but i think for anybody from the outside looking in they probably don't know all the intricacies that go into it and the, the, the bonds and how even going to a climbing gym, it's not like going to a regular gym. I, you know, I, I joke with, with my husband, Oliver, it's like, he asks what, how many friends did you make today? And I'm like, I made three new friends, right? Every time I go to the climbing gym, you just, you're just hanging out and you just start talking to people and you make new friends. And that's not something that you do at a normal gym, right? It, it, I would be very uncomfortable if I was doing that at a normal gym, but there's just a sense of community built in to that, that I don't know if you can even explain it to people unless they experience it. And that can be in the form yeah. of just taking them to the climbing gym and watching, having them watch or going outside or exposing, it to, exposing them to it in some way. But yeah, I don't know if that can just be captured unless somebody experiences it. So there's a really good documentary. If you haven't watched it, you guys should. It's called Stone Locals. Oh and, my um, gosh. 
watched it. And so there's a quote that really, it made me really sad. It was, I believe it was Miguel from Miguel's Pizza basically saying like, back in the day, it used to be about community and now it's about pushing grades. And I was like, that's sad. Well, if you, if you think about the community that Miguel's brings on, it's definitely more of the experienced and advanced climbers, I think at, at the Red River Gorge. That's my personal opinion. I could be wrong. People come from all over the world to chase grades and, and epic climbs over there. So you look at the San Antonio climbing community, I think it's far different. And to talk about the gym culture, Elisa, what came into mind was I have never been upset when I see someone do a climbing route in front of me, if I even just like walk up and oh, they, they were in front of me, they didn't, it's like, oh, totally fine. And then you see what they do. Whereas at the gym, if somebody's going to your bench that you were using, you get fired up and you do <laughs> not want to be friends with that person. If anything, you want to mark your territory. And, and when you were talking about the cultures, it dawned on me that, man, talk about stark opposites mm-hmm. for sure. I don't know. I'm, I'm not nearly that friendly. If you cut me off to get on a problem, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm one of those people. I mean, don't be a dick about yeah. it, but like, if if you didn't see me or you maybe have a conscience and be, and you do it and then come back and like, oh, I'm so sorry, which not a lot of people do. But anyways, I guess the point is you're right, Elisa, we have had guests and we we do agree that you you have to put yourself out there in the climbing community, but I feel there's a lot bigger of a reception for 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 climbers as opposed to like people who just, I don't know, go lift weights or I don't know. Yeah, I would say that, I mean, there's probably, if you're into it, there's a weightlifting community, sure. right? And if you go to the right gym, you're going to walk into, or, you know, a right, there's probably a type of gym that, you know, walking into it, you're going to meet people who share that same commonality, just like a, a CrossFit gym or something like that. And walk into a, a climbing gym, of course, everybody there, you're going to have something in common with, right? So you go play tennis you're gonna have everybody there is wants to play tennis right so but yeah so i think there's communities everywhere and and, um but i think the climbing community in and of itself is is very special it is and welcome it is except when you cut me off yeah that's jeremy everybody i'm I'm not going to be very welcoming i I don't think i've ever said exactly that's why i find this i I, I do sim i do i do simmer a little (laughs) you do stew a little bit (laughs) And I'm just more inclined to flash whatever they're working on (laughs) or try to at least. Before we wrap up today, what do you think the climbing community is lacking? What do you think we need to work on? What do we think the climbing community is lacking? Well, you know, I think there's a lot of like like we're talking about right there's a lot that is special about the climbing community and there's a lot that i think is kind of unlike any other but you know we'd be remiss if 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 we i suppose didn't talk about kind of the 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 non-romanticized side right it's not all it's not all roses and there's definitely a place within the community for just not not as as nice 
I suppose, behavior or in people. And, you know, even in the gym, there's, you know, I've experienced just being a woman, people, I mean, goodness, like running from the opposite side of the gym to come try to give me data. And it, there's just that, that kind of expectation sometimes that because I, because I'm a woman, I need beta or help, or I don't know what I'm doing or whatever. There's judgment that's happening. Right. And so, I mean, that's one aspect of it. I was a little disappointed. I was a lot disappointed with the climbing community when COVID first started happening. And I saw some people basically say, well, I'm not going to stop climbing. I'm going to, because this is my thing and I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And it was a very selfish stance to take. And you listen, I don't know what everyone's going through in their lives, right? And, and it, sometimes it's hard to, to keep an open mind because everybody's going through something different. But I experienced what looked to be a level of selfishness that did leave me a little bit disappointed because kind of the, the vision and the idea I had of the climbing community so far was, was completely the opposite, was people going out of their way to teach us how to do things, right? Uh, that kind of mentorship feeling, it's uh, making new friends, it's, it's that warmth of, hey, I can walk into the space and nobody knows me, but I still feel like I belong and I still feel like these people will, will be kind to me and, and, you know, take me in. And I think just with circumstances like that, you know, you kind of got to see a different side of it. And I don't know if I have the answer of what, what can we change, right? I think, huh, I don't know if I can pinpoint a specific thing, but just to keep it in broad terms is, you know, we can romanticize the sense of community that the climbing community brings because it is a really wonderful space. But I think we always need to be aware and acknowledge that it, it's not obviously 100% positivity and to just keep reminding yourself about that so that if, if you know, if, if you're personally doing something that maybe you wouldn't approve of somebody else of doing, you know, call yourself out on it and, and, and change and just, you know, just continue to pass on empathy and just, I mean, it all comes down to being kind, right? And that's not just the climbing community. That's everybody. That's everybody is just be kind, be welcoming, don't judge. <laughs> um, just be kind always in every circumstance. Unless someone jumps in front of you to get on a problem. Oh, sorry. Then definitely flash their problem. Definitely just straight up flash it and then drop your water bottle, water bottle right in front of You should of not have your water bottle on the mats, Emily. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and at least I think that just kind of rounds out what we've been going through um, as a nation. What we've been going through as humans is treating others with kindness. And I don't always nail it, but 
in the climbing gym, there are very simple behaviors that you can make and change that can bring the space into a more welcoming area. And outside, there's a lot of people who try to do the YouTube education and they go outside and it could be very potentially hazardous. And there are ways to approach those situations um, with kindness and patience as opposed to snobbiness and um, and, and rudeness. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think that is a, a thing we can all practice for sure. So the first rule of climbing outdoors is that you take your Bluetooth speaker with you, right? And turn your music up as loud as you want. Absolutely. Specifically when there is a group that's already climbing there that doesn't have any music. Sick. That is my biggest pet peeve. Hate it. Can't stand it. I did not come out here to listen to things I can hear in my car. And it's always bad music. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little worried that you're actually crying there for a second. I know. I was like, dang, there must have been a bad song. I got really emotional about the subject of Bluetooth speakers outside. Um, I've I've done it, but it was when we were the only people out there. So that's okay. And and I feel the same way. If you are the only ones out there, like play whatever you want. If I come up on you, that's that's my problem. But if I'm at the crag and and we don't have a Bluetooth speaker. And you come and you just dump your music on us without even, you know, come on. Not even music. We were out at climbing at McKinney and me and my climbing friends are obnoxious, like loud, like shouting at each other, like super, also super supportive of each other, but that involves like shouting at each other while they're climbing. And I went over to a guy that was climbing by himself, just had his spotlights and his mat and we're, you know, cause we're climbing at night. And uh, I was like, dude, I apologize. Like, if this is bothering you, we can settle down. He's like, no, no, have fun. You know, whatever. And then we went over and talked to him for a little while and asked him about his, we were talking to him about what project he was working on. It was kind of cool. So just be nice to each other. It'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I always, it it never hurts for that to be reiterated. It'll never get old. And don't fly drones. Especially if it's a Texas state park because it's against the rules. Which is why I don't have a drone. Because the only place to get interesting footage would be in state parks. Yeah. And I mean, if you're if you're filming a documentary and and you're going to do it before or after people show up, which a lot of people do. And then if you're doing it while people are climbing and you're at the crag, you can at least ask them instead of just throwing it up there. And then you hear this angry bee behind you and realize you're being watched by a flying camera. They're so loud. I had no they idea. They're very disruptive. They yeah. That was my main thing. I would just, I was climbing once. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is attacking me? And then I yeah. realized it was a drone. On on trips, when I do checklists, I do a what not to bring. It's Bluetooth. This is like if it's a day trip. Bluetooth speaker, dogs, drones. <laughs> All my favorite like, things, Emily. Not. I don't have a dog or a drone we're getting controversial now no dogs no drones no speakers i know i know go ahead fight me no No, don't i think emily could take them i don't know she's feisty i am feisty i am anyways so we made this we made this episode about all of us elisa my my apologies you've always been so kind and patient with me another thanks for that over the years. 
And we made it through the whole podcast without talking about the election. What election? Oh. There's something going on? <laughs> that one. The one. I have been, I have had a mental hangover since Tuesday. Yeah, I've been in a haze. It will not go away. I've been in a haze. I would say this is one of my more unproductive, like fo- unfocused weeks. My, yeah. I, I looked at my list and I was like, you, wow, you totally didn't nail your, your goals for the week. <laughs> like I just straight up had like a conversation with myself. I was like, oh yeah, this is one of the most critical points in our nation's history. We bit. Yeah. So now that we didn't bring up or now that we brought up what we didn't bring up on that note, let's talk about some awesome shout outs that you have that you can share with our audience. Let's hear it, Elisa. Absolutely. Well, I would be remiss if I did not shout out the Texas Climbers Coalition. Uh, those of you listening, if you if you live in Texas and you're not a member yet, you can get a joint membership with the Texas Climbers Coalition and the Access Fund. And that portion of the money helps us with costs regarding rebolting. You know, we're continuously raising costs for uh maintaining medicine wall we acquired monster rock earlier this year and it is completely free to go there and you know it definitely costs a lot of money um everybody on the board for the texas climber coalition we're all volunteers we're non-paid so all that money goes to the climbing areas so if you're not a member yet please consider uh joining um and we're working on some really exciting ways to continue to help contributing money um, and time. So, you know, be on the lookout for that. Um, of course, I got to give a shout out to the Alamo area, Texas Master Naturalists, Armadillo Boulders. They are not only my home gym, but my home away from home. I'm there all the time. My San Antonio uh, hashtag climbing crew, as we call ourselves, uh, Zach, Ricky, and Lisa. They are the people that I love sharing climbing achievements with the most. Uh, My coach, Robin O'Leary, he is phenomenal, fantastic, uh, and he's made me so much stronger, both physically and mentally. And of course, my loving husband and favorite belayer, (laughs) Oliver. That's super great. That's super great. You always have a a huge smile on your face. When I see you You got a positive attitude, your laughter is just infectious and love looks good on you, sister. Let me tell you, (laughs) looks great on you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Well, everyone, thank you so much for sticking with us throughout this episode. We were so fortunate to have Elisa join us. So thank you again, Elisa. Thank you. It was a blast. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I truly, truly enjoyed the conversation. I love learning about all of your experiences. We got, we got a few for sure, but uh, yeah, everyone keep an eye out on the future first ascents that I think Elisa still has up her sleeve. We're going to include all of the information that she shared with us in the show notes that you can check it out for yourself. And we are going to leave you like we always do with tons of gratitude thanking our lovely guest once again, and y'all have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye. Bye. I wanted to join. (laughs) I got excited.